Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. There are some really valuable things about social media. There's some things that drive us all crazy. So I don't know. This has been a good while ago. So Lisa came across a social media post that was labeled seven sentences. I wish I'd read sooner. And the gentleman is Stephen Bartlett. He is at Stephen. That's with a V. So he's got, he's got the blue verified, you know, check mark on his Instagram. I've heard he, about this, but I don't know much about I it. I don't either. So he's a big shot, smarty pants. Steven <laughs> is a UK entrepreneur. He's got one of the top rated podcasts uh, as a CEO over in Europe. And so he posted this on his Instagram and somehow somebody shared it and somebody else shared it. And Lisa came across it seven sentences. I wish I had read sooner. So it's a good so conversation. Yeah. So here <laughs> yeah. we are. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, man, I could probably think of way more than seven, but that no, is what a, you told me. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good <laughs> list. So kick us off. Where do you want to start? All right. Start? Well, I thought it was interesting because it, it does talk about these kind of, when we read them and talk about them, it's these very simple concepts that you, you're like, yeah. And it's usually through life and experience and maturity that you look back and realize, yeah, that's, that's so true. Uh, let's just focus on that because in the moment we get focused on other things, but you start recognizing things as you go through life and you see these trends. And I thought we'd just take them one at a time and just kind of talk about them. I think the audience will be able to relate to most and go, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one I should have read sooner. <laughs> you know, I should, I should start practicing that. But, uh, the first one says these hard times, this pain, these lessons, one day they'll be your strength, your awareness and your blessings. Uh, and, and how true is that? You know, Randy and I were just talking before the show started. Um, Don and I have bought this land in Oklahoma. If y'all have been listening and are current on the, the current episodes, bought land in Oklahoma for our future retirement home, uh, building a barn dominium, pumped up, have a builder that does custom barn does. We get all the way to submitting plans. We're getting ready to, we're just waiting on the construction loan to close. We're on our way. Two days before closing, appraiser comes in brand new because the market's just starting to turn. And what we just had appraised 45 days ago, they've appraised it at 70 grand less. And the house, they're saying you can build a house for $204,000. And I, I, I literally just started bawling and went into the shower, cried myself until I'm out of tears and said, I can't. They're like, do you still want to close? And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> Why would I close on a loan that won't pay for the build? You know? Yeah. Right. And so all of a sudden, what was so was like within reachable, touching distance mm -hmm. that was supposed to get started is now crashed to a halt. And Don and I are trying to figure out we've sold our house. We are living with my mom and three vagabonds. Dogs. You're vagabonds. <laughs> and we're thinking we're going to have a house to move into in June of 2023. And now there's there's no house. 
and there's no foreseeable future of a house at this moment. So as I read that, and Don and I took a breath, which is what I tell everybody else to do in crisis, right? I'm the coach that's going, guys, there is always, I'm a big, big believer that there is a purpose. Everything happens for a reason. Uh, There is a plan that is perfect. I just don't know the plan. I need to be patient about the plan. It will come to light at some point. And, um, you know, all of a sudden this this crashed and burned in front of us. And uh, as we kind of sat back and said, okay, what? I talked to my husband, Don, and he's like, you know what? Through this whole thing, there's just been these roadblock after roadblock after roadblock trying to get electricity in. Uh, to the land, the landowners around us, two of the three said, absolutely, they can, you can have right away to put the poles in the ones across the street. We got hunters here. It is October. It is the start of hunting season and we got paid hunters. We can't let you on the land till after January 15th when the season closes. So all of a sudden we're, instead of two weeks out, we're months out from getting electric, which you have to have, and they need to build the pad and run the concrete equipment, et cetera. So all these roadblocks have happened uh, and Don's like, you know what? The market's turning. We could probably get a lot more for our value if we just wait. Let's just let's just think of something different to do. Uh, it's still our land. We still will build a home eventually. And, you know, you look through that and that, like it says, these hard times, the pain, the lessons. Well, this is a lesson in patience. This is a lesson in why are we pushing through on something that is just not meant to happen right now. And it, you have to be at peace that there is a reason for this. And instead of looking at all the negativity, all the things and the reasons I could be discouraged and could be disappointed, something better will happen on the back end. I just need to wait for it and not rush. So, you know, that's, How many times in our lives have we looked back and we went through something painful and challenging, but often that was the greatest growth you've experienced, whether it's personally, whether it's professionally, not always the case, but if you have hope and you have positivity and optimism and looking back, I guarantee we can all see a silver lining that, man, I'm so glad I didn't do that or that did that happened exactly like it did because I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have learned that valuable lesson I needed to know. Uh, so as I looked at that sentence, for me, that is so true. If we just If we just look back and see how much we can learn and grow through a significant challenge, we are better on the other side of it. But you and I have spent so many hours talking about challenge versus opportunity. Mm-hmm. And for most of us, I'm not going to make this declaration always because there's exceptions, but almost always mm-hmm. our growth comes through those challenges. But in the midst of the challenge, there is an, there's, a, there's an opportunity. Don't always know what that is. It's not always easy to see on the front end. It's why we call 2020 hindsight, 2020, right. you know, right. cause okay, well now it, I can see it more clearly. Now, the second sentence is stop expecting honesty from people who lie to themselves. This is thinking about this one. This is one that I think in HR we face quite a bit. Um, And I'm sure as leaders and listeners, 
you have experienced this with others. Um, you try to coach and help and listen to different people that come to you seeking advice. Um, this could be in personal relationships. It's, it's really, and th these are great examples of where our podcast, Randy, is focused on city government leadership. Really, these principles apply to anybody listening. I mean, stop expecting honesty from people that lie to themselves. You can try to coach you can try to teach people. You can try to counsel them to become better and, and ask questions for curiosity that hope lead them to doing things differently than they're doing for better success or more success. But ultimately, how many of us had, have had people you counsel and they don't see in themselves what you see in them, that if they could just change, that they, that they could just acknowledge and recognize that maybe their perception of themselves is off. And by changing this one trait, you could not only help yourself, but you could become better. There's so many people that just don't acknowledge that. They continue shifting and deflecting blame to everybody else around them. I call it the black cloud that hovers. They constantly have a black cloud and are feel like a victim and feel like everybody doesn't understand them and nobody nobody appreciates me. And then they project negativity. They project um, poor teamwork. They It's all about self-centeredness and what about me? And, and if you could just, you just, you can, it's tangible. You're like, if you would just acknowledge you've got a bad attitude. What have if you, you found, just have you that? found in, have you found anything that is effective in converting those people no, uh, unfortunately, when they are that set, if it's a if it's a um, a skill, much easier to convert to teach them. Okay, you really need to you need need to work on this communication style. Styles yeah. are different when it's inherent in the person that is their behavior. I have not found a way to change it. There's occasionally I get them to acknowledge that it could be different than they're seeing it, but mm. I've never found a case that they say, no, I'm absolutely going to change that to become a better person. They typically run from it. They will, they will just get out so they don't have to face it any longer. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I've seen in my, my career. When I've tried to counsel people, it's almost always because a leader has come to me in HR for guidance and I have to deal. How do I deal with this person? Right. Do I correct them? Do I counsel them? Do I discipline is it a PIP situation? Mm -hmm. And we try, I just tell them to be genuine. That's all you can be well as a, as a person counseling another. Be genuine, speak the truth, but do it with compassion. You don't have to be brutal. You don't have to yell in their face. You don't have to beat them down. But you do need to be honest, genuine, and compassionate and say, this is what I need you to do. This You may not recognize this, but you this is what you are portraying to others and trying to correct that. But honestly, most of the people start looking for another job and they just leave rather than facing what could make them stronger and better. Yeah. And this sentence, stop expecting honesty from people who lie to themselves. I mean, it's about us also managing our expectation of people who are willing to embrace delusions. So why should we embrace it too? That's right. And when we talked about it before spending 80% of your time on a person, why not shift that and spend 80 instead of spending 80 years, percent of your time on a, on a person that's unwilling to change and they don't believe what you're telling them, spend, shift that, spend it on 80% of the team that is willing to help you, that has the good 
the good of the team at heart and is not self-centered because those are the people that are going to carry you. Yep. That that 20% shift them, give them 20% of your time. But if they're unwilling to change and unwilling to acknowledge, it's really, you know, you hate to say that dramatically, it's a lost cause. Um, you can keep trying to genuinely help them, but if they aren't willing to help themselves, you're going to have the same conversation and the end is inevitable. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, well, it's not your life. It's their life and they can do with it as they choose. So, yeah, I usually tell them who's in charge of you. And yeah. they're like, well, me, I said, right. So I'm telling you what I need you to do, but ultimately it's up. You have the choice. You have the power. That's right. That's you right. can choose to change or you can choose to leave. It is yeah. your choice. This and third one simple. is a, this third one kind of hits a pet peeve for me. You'll never look good trying to make someone look bad. I'm, I do a podcast about a place over in Arkansas that I love, and there's a few social media ninnies in this community and it's a gorgeous, it's just a, it's just, it's just drop dead gorgeous place. But there's a, you know, there's these ne'er-do-wells as there, as there, and there's not many, but man, can they be loud and can they make a lot of racket, right? You know, and it's just one gripe after another gripe after another gripe. And so I kind of got on a podium. I got on a pulpit and ran, wrote a post in our, in our little Facebook group. And we've got, 3000 people over there. So it's, it's not all that rinky dink, but I was making an observation that, you know, I, I don't know why some people they they feel better because they make you feel bad and we've all experienced it. We all see it. Social media is littered with that kind of behavior. I don't pretend to understand it as empathetic as I can be. And I'm highly empathetic. I just, I don't get it. I just absolutely don't get it. It's people that can't wait to rain on a parade, you know, and I've long said, listen, I mean, parades are kind of fun. And if you want to, if you want to see more parades, then quit throwing cold water on them. You know, it's yeah. way more fun to cheer on a parade than it is to try to rain on one, but you'll well, never look good trying to make someone look bad. Well, so many people think, you know, when we say speak the truth, but they speak it with they speak it brutally and they speak it continually. And when you're constantly talking negative about other people, you're constantly finding cause that there are issues with other people and you say it out loud to everybody you know. Everybody, like you said, sees that behavior. And to me, it only makes me think, what are you saying about me when I'm not there? Plenty. What are you right? <laughs> if you're if that is your continual behavior, and usually it's because of insecurity. Usually they are trying to make themselves look better by deflating others. If I show you how many faults that they have, look at me. I don't have that fault, right? Mm -hmm. But yet your fault is different because the negativity is reflecting on you. And it looks like it looks like you have a, have a bad heart. I mean, you're trying to make others look bad so that you can look better. And nobody wants that either. There's ways to do it and ways to say it, but if it's continual, it's a pattern and it's a behavioral trait. And usually that's because of insecurities. Save your explanations for those that are determined to understand you. Give your silence to those that are determined to misunderstand you. That's All a right. loaded one. Yeah. That's kind is. of that's kind of like the second one. Stop expecting honesty from people who lie to themselves. Mm -hmm. Save your expectations for those 
that are determined to understand you and basically be silent to those that don't choose to. And I think that's so important. You have to carefully, it's, it's choosing your friends and choosing your confidants and knowing those that have your best interest at heart. And when somebody doesn't, I would use caution because anything you give them becomes ammunition, not, um, what's a good word? It's not genuine. They are going to use that against you rather than using it to promote you. Well, we talk a lot about safety and it's that whole safety issue with safety being defined as those people that you can kind of be yourself with and you know, they're not going to hold it against you. Right. They're not going to judge your intentions incorrectly or something, you know, but big news flash, not everybody loves you like your mama does, you know, so uh, what? I mean, it's just, it's just the <laughs> truth. You know? And I'm sorry, but you can't grow up and be anything you want to be. I mean, yeah. you know, you've you can't, been, you've been you lied just to. cannot be too trusting. You, you, you have to be cautious. You have to have awareness. You know, you, you need to recognize those that you, I think you can share some things with a lot of people with your teams. Um, the the really personal stuff, the really difficult things. I just think you need to use caution and feel like you have psychological safety. I'm I'm fortunate in my group, uh, in my current team. I honestly can't think of one person that doesn't have our team's best interest and each individual's best interest at heart, and that's rare. Uh, I'm in a really fortunate place right now with my team to have really great people all the way around. And I can't think of any one of them. And that's not been the case for years. I mean, there's, there were times when there were things I just wouldn't share with certain individuals because they used it. Um, it was manipulative versus genuine. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but man, we're in a good place now. And, and I hope our listeners are getting to that place or are there. If you're not, you know, you have to use these sentences and start figuring out, okay, now what should I be doing differently? But personality wise, you and I both, I mean, it's, 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 it's really kind of the backbone of this podcast. You know, you and I both are super open. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, we've shared things. We've both shared things on, on here that in retrospect, we look back and like, wait, did, did we say that? Did we talk about that? Yeah, we did. You know, right. so we're not, I would yeah, I would not describe, <laughs> I would not describe either one of us as, as guarded. No. Um, you know, and I, I don't listen, you got to do you, whatever that, whatever that looks like your personality. But I don't think it's, it doesn't seem wise to me based on my experience to just approach every relationship being on guard. So I don't want to be misunderstood. I would never advise people always have your guard up, always be expecting the absolute worst. My optimism about life and people won't, won't allow that. Yeah. I happen to come from a viewpoint. I've been very public about it for years. People want to get up in the morning and they want to do good work. Mm -hmm. I believe that most people want to get up in the morning and they, they want to be a decent person. I know there are exceptions. I know there's evil people in the world. It's a viewpoint. Could I be wrong? I could be wrong, but I continue to have the debate. So what's the downside? Yeah. Somebody shows themselves to be something other than what I, I look at 
on the front end. Okay. I got evidence now. Now I know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather for me personally, I feel better operating that way than operating from a viewpoint of being very guarded and okay, you're going to have to prove yourself. You know, you're, you're going to have to work like a demon for me to ever trust you. I would rather be trusting something happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know I can't trust you. Now I'm going to adjust based on that. Right. It's just, it's just, it's just one perspective, but I like, I like the, yeah, I, I'm real fond of the whole explanation thing. I, I, in fact, I told somebody just last night, they were wondering about how to say no to somebody. And I'm like, you, you don't owe them an explanation. No is a complete sentence. Yes, that's right. And it, it's so many, so many people I think want to fill the gap. They want to feel like they're sharing equally with everybody that they're trying to be fair, that they're given the benefit of the doubt. But in the, human nature, I think it's very easy for each of us to recognize when you feel safe with someone and when you don't. And I don't mean from a harm standpoint, I'm talking about psychological safety. When you feel like you can share and you feel again, like they have your best interest at heart, you know, those, those are the two things that are kind of my judgment tool. Um, and, and I listen how they speak about others. Are they sharing confidential things with me about others? Now I'm in a different position. I'm not talking about because I'm the HR director. There are people that have to share with me to help me solve their or find solutions for them. Not talking about that. I'm talking about just general interactions. When I, when I share with them and then I find out with my, you know, my boss, they now know about it. And I was sharing well, guess what? I'm going to be a little bit more protective of what I share in the future and make sure that story is coming from me. It may be accurate facts, but I'm watchful of who shares what and when so that I can see that they have good judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that negativity, you know, save your explanations for those that are determined to understand you, give your silence to those that are determined to misunderstand you. And I think that's really important that our listeners and that us, Randy, you and I as individuals recognize that and are watchful because that can hurt. That can hurt not only you, it can hurt your team. It can hurt your reputation. There are lots of things that damage can be done that is very hard to repair if you are not graceful and thoughtful in how and what you share with whom. Well, an understanding is one of the leadership recipes that we talk about. And there are people that they just don't they don't deploy that at all. That's right. They're not interested in understanding. And I think that speaks to those people. And we've all got those people in our life. I'm not saying that you cut people off. You got to have, we've got to have these, <clears throat> excuse me. We have you to have limit the volume. Yeah. The you specifics just, of what exactly. you share. That's all. <clears throat> that's right. With you, I may share my pain, my pain with this build. I may not share that with everybody. I may just say, yeah, we had some, there was some no, hiccups that are frustrating. Just, it's too late. You've already done that. I've already done that with over a thousand people, <laughs> apparently that are listening. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, we all see guys, I have psychological safety with our listeners. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think that's important though. I just think it's important. You, you and I've had so many conversations about, you know, you gotta be you and, and, in the audience that doesn't know you other than this podcast, you're just going to have to trust me and trust her. I mean, she is what this is who she is right. and this is who I am. 
you know, we don't we don't change for much anybody, do we, Randy? Not, well, I'm all I know I'm, how is to be genuine. Yeah. That's all I know how to be. You I know, don't know how to be vindictive. Wanna, yeah, but we both we both are highly interested in growing and improving. That doesn't mean that we're going to completely change our stripes. We just right. want to be better versions of ourselves. Your life is too short to be unhappy five days a week in exchange for two days of freedom. I'm going to let you touch that one first. Well, clearly, you know, clearly he's speaking about people that are in a work situation that they just are, are miserable. I've never understood it, but I'm not, I'm not mercenary. I got married. We were six months shy of turning 21 by the time we were 23, 24, we had our two kiddos. I understand job pressures. I understand providing. I get all that. Me personally, I can't drag myself out of bed to go do work that I hate. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't. My dad's 99. My dad's old school, you know, World War II generation. You just do what you got to do. I couldn't. And for years and years, I thought, you know, okay, I mean, I need to, I need to follow my dad's exam, you know, cause he could go just grind it out. And psychologically, I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, you know? So in the early years, if I was, if I found myself unhappy, friends would say, you know, well, where are you, where are you working now? You know, and they were just being smart Alex, mm -hmm. but that was a, that was an era where unlike today, where man alive, if you've been on a job 18 months, you're, you're a grizzled veteran, you know? That was not the case for me as a young man. So if I was somewhere for 18 months, I, I was not, I just wasn't going to do this. This was never, it's never been the way that I've operated. I don't know where that comes from. It's just who I am. I don't get it. I don't understand because especially in today's world and today's economy, man alive, the world's your oyster. If you're, if you're high value and that's a big, if, if you're high value, I just don't see, I mean, do you, as a, I mean, you're the HR pro. I don't see any reason for somebody to get up in the morning and go do something that they hate. I, I don't know how many conversations I have had. I cannot count them over my 26 years here in Grand Prairie and many years prior to that between city and private, um, that I have counseled people in my office, completely broken down, completely in front of me, break, physically breaking down of how miserable they are. Uh, and, and that could be at our city. It could be at a prior city. The challenge is it doesn't mean the city is bad. It doesn't mean if you, if you experience this in your role, it doesn't mean Grand Prairie is physically bad. But it's not a fit for you. If you are that miserable, you, I tell people, I don't know, probably once a month is the volume I would have. And it's usually somebody has been disciplined and they feel it's unfair. They're miserable in their role. Um, they don't feel valued. They feel underappreciated. Whatever it is that is causing that pain, I tell them, listen, the choice is yours to make. Why are you? Because they'll they'll say out of one side of their mouth, they say, "I love my job," and I'm like, I said, "No, 
you do not love your job. You just told me X, Y, and Z that that is, and you're physically breaking down and shaking in front of me. You do not, that is not love of a job. Find what you love and go pursue it. That doesn't mean you have to quit today, but go do what makes you happy, what fulfills you. And if this isn't a fit for you, it's a fit for, for me. I love my job. I love getting up and coming in every day. I'm eager to serve. If that is not what's happening for you, go find what does make you happy. Go If it's a hobby, if you want to take up something on Etsy, if you want to just another culture that's better for you. It, some people like a lot of structure. Some people want a lot of freedom. And each supervisor and manager rules differently, right? So it's, again, it doesn't make the place bad, but it makes that that job not good, not a good fit for you. And it's not healthy. But how many so of those situations, people, how many of those situations, I'm not asking for a number, but just a conversation, it's chicken and egg kind of a thing. And so, okay, they've been, they've been put on a pip and now they're miserable, but I'm wondering, but were you miserable before? Was it the That's misery right. and the fact that you hated the job that probably resulted in you being on a pip is not That's that you're exactly a right. bad human. You just, you didn't recognize that you hated this thing before and it led to this and now you hate it even more. That's right. And it could be, you know, it's all kind. I've seen it attitude. I've seen it behaviors. I've seen conduct. I've seen just skill sets that don't match. What you said on paper is not what you actually have the skill set to do. And the supervisor's telling you, you got to get it together. You've got to learn how to be organized. It could be a million different things. None of them are hateful because many of the conversations have been there. And the great news is our leadership team is saying, I have to have this from you for you to be successful here. Right. And they always say it that way, for you to be successful here. You may be successful somewhere else. But that choice is yours to make. You can either choose to do what I'm asking you to do, or you can choose to find something else. And we will support. And I, I can, nine out of 10 times, they say, we want you to be happy. We do not want you miserable in your job. We will help you, but you have to step up here. But if if this isn't what you want to do, let's find what you do want to do. And sometimes we have actually moved them to different roles outside of that department. Complete turnaround. It's, I call it getting them on the right seat on the bus. Some people need to get off the bus. Some people just need to be moved seats and they right. can do amazing things because you hired them for something they're not really good at. Um, and so it, people that are genuinely interested in others can help them, but you got to know what they're trying to achieve and if it fits who they are. Um, that's what I think can be a trait of a great leader is not just seeing their fault but seeing what they can become and helping them get there and talking to them legitimately about that, that this just is not a good role for you. Let's talk about what you do want to do and what I think you could be really great at. And let's work on getting you there uh, because that shows investment in people. And that's what's, you know, not, not a ton of people have that ability, but if you look at that, gosh, you can be saving that person. You can be saving yourself. And you can help them become successful. And leadership is always doing for others what they cannot do for themselves. We've talked about it over and over and over. And that is what moves you from good to great, in but my opinion, as a leader. And we're One talking aspect. A, yeah, and we're talking, okay, in a five-day work week. I mean, we're, I don't know. I mean, what are we? We're talking, well, we're talking north of 70% of your life. And if you don't think that that 70% is going to affect the other 30%, well, you're deluded. 
That's right. I got news for you. Exchange for two days of freedom. You're losing at least one of those days because you're dreading Monday morning because Sunday. Well, and you're sleeping comes. it off. <laughs> you know, you've exhausted yourself during the week. Yeah. And well, hopefully, hopefully sleep is the, is the most abusive thing you're doing to yourself. If you're that miserable, but you and I yeah. both know very seriously. I mean, there are people that are self-medicating and doing all kinds of, all kinds of bad behavior emanate from five days of a complete of misery. Yeah, yeah. Misery, misery leads to other bad traits. That's right. It could be a lot of different things. It could affect your, your life, your marriage, your family. Just like when you have issues at home, nobody that I know of can leave them at the door and say, nope, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going through X, I'm going through a divorce, I'm going through a child custody battle, whatever it is. I have never seen somebody that says, I can leave it at the door and I'm a completely new person when I walk through the work door. No, No. it affects them moving. It doesn't matter if it's work-related going home or home going to work. It does affect who our people and ourselves are. Um, and you have to address that and help them through that where you can in your roles as leaders. Don't be upset from people you don't respect. Don't be upset from people you don't respect. This goes back to the stop expecting honesty from people who lie to themselves, mm-hmm. right? This is just a different twist on it because now it's verse instead of the, the focus on them. Now you're focusing on you. Yeah. And respect, respect is a little twist to that. Don't be upset from people you don't respect. And to me, how easy, and I, I can relate to this. How easy is it that somebody, you get a call, you get an email and you just see the name pop up and you go, oh, for gosh sakes, good God, I don't want to answer this call. Do I let it, and then in a moment, you're like, do I let it roll? Do I just get let it go to voicemail? Do I just wait to respond? Because you immediately want to start, I call it hacking at the keyboard. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm going to tell them. Right. But it can't, you can't do that. And if, if they're always negative, if they're always, your ideas are always bad ideas, unless it's their idea. You know, it's, we've all, we know them. I know every listener right now, as soon as we said that is like, oh yeah, that's, that's John Doe sitting in the planning department or, you know, or whoever. Um, we all have that one. Um, but you cannot, you cannot give them your time. We talked about it earlier. Shift. Give them what's necessary to answer their questions, but you cannot let them upset you. It's just not worth your time. There, life is just too short. It's just too short. Well, you and I both do subscribe to to the that notion, if you're going to be loved by some, you have to be willing to be hated by a few. That's right. And I I think both of us are fairly good with that, Mm -hmm. but I know many people that it drives them absolutely out of their mind. I mean, they just don't want anybody to be negative. They don't want anybody to think badly of them. I just, it's just not how I see the world. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, this podcast and you and I, and what we're doing here, we talked before we ever launched this thing. Uh, We're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. That's right. Now we could sit here and we could try to architect and say, okay, well, what's going to get us the most listen, you know, we're just trying to provide value and we're just bringing our perspective. Some of these things, okay. Maybe they've got some 
a little bit more empirical truth about them. Mm-hmm. And some other things are just insights and observations, and we're just sharing those experiences. But if you don't like us, I'm in no way offended by that. Find somebody that you enjoy listening to that you, that you feel like can be a resource to help you in your journey and your growth and your leadership. And that's, that's what we, I just, I don't know. I don't, I, if I don't respect somebody, then why would I give them any headspace? Why would I give them any heart space? In my view, they would be undeserving of it. If if they weren't deserving of my respect, then they don't deserve the other. So why would I give them that? It's it's kind of interesting too. The people that get upset declare how much they don't care what anybody thinks, <laughs> and it's like, well, and they they often say it. They'll say oh, it. Oh, they loud. do say it. Yeah, they like, promote well, it. <laughs> that's not that doesn't seem to be quite what's going on here, you know. But it's interesting because I've had. Uh, my number one goal, in fact, it's a, it's a physical goal in our team. Um, but my number one goal is always about relationships, creating relationships, uh, just investing in other people, trying to seek knowledge and understanding of what they're trying to achieve in the departments with our leaders, with the employees. Cause I try, I'm not pro management. I'm not pro employee. I just am trying to find the best solution for the person that comes to me needing help. Whatever that is, it doesn't matter who they are. I try to say, okay, what are their needs? What are they going through? How can I help them and serve them? Uh, that's my number one goal in relationships. And this is all about that because I get along with, literally, I could say, I get along with almost everybody I meet. It doesn't matter what your background, culture, um, whether you're, you know, uh, poor, whether you're rich, whether you are a blue collar, whether you're white collar, an executive. I just am thankful I have an ability just to understand and truly appreciate people for who they are in front of me, for who they are, and what they bring to the table. Yeah. But let's talk about that because it's just not, it's just not an ability. I mean, it starts because you're just a, you're, you're a person like all of us who, who go that way. I mean, you made up your mind. You well, just made up your mind how how you're how you're going to approach it. I don't want people to get the impression. Well, that's just not how how I am. Well, then change. It's a choice. It is a it is a choice, but it's how it's just how I I I live. But the point being, when I focus on relationships, I will invest a lot of time and energy in trying to understand and relate and help. But there is. But you're not trying to, you're not, you're not sitting there thinking about yourself first though, approaching it from, okay, what can I get out of this? No, you're approaching it from just the opposite, which is really the whole theme of the podcast. Well, it's how can I serve them? Yeah. You're looking at, okay, what can I do for this person? And it doesn't matter. You know, we've talked about it serving up. I've served up to our leadership above me, to the city manager, to a council member. I've served out and I've served down it, that it just doesn't matter to me. It's, they have, they are before me and I see something that they need help with. And I try to find how can I help them? Because that's what I believe makes us better as a unit. How can I serve them? And well, sometimes it's a difficult score. service, you know, right. but my point being, there's been a few in my life, very few where I've invested time and energy. It could even be Cheryl, uh, my prior boss, Anna, 
Steve, anybody asking me saying, hey, let's let's really work on this, right? We see a need. We recognize the difficulty. These of are all the, the higher ups for you new, yeah. new listeners. Um, but I, but I'll, we agree that let's really work on this relationship. And there's been times I've come to a leader above me in my history and said, here's the deal. I've been working on this relationship. It's not mutual. I'm not, and I'm not investing time and energy anymore. I will help them with their question at hand. And that is it. I cannot do this. And I'm not going to invest the energy if it's not reciprocal. I'm just not going to do it. And I've had, that is so rare that when I get to that point, never, never have I had my leaders above me say, no, that's not what you're going to do. You're going to keep, because usually they have experienced the same thing from those individuals, because that's how those individuals roll. And they're like, I came to that decision a year ago. So yeah, and you're not the only one and you're probably not the first person (laughs) to come to them and tell them that either. Yeah. But you know, and it's, and it's those individuals that we all think about, why aren't they doing something? Why don't they do something with that? But so many people can bring technical expertise. They can bring other great things to the table, but there are traits that they just don't bring. That's right. And at that point, that's not my choice. If my, if, if leadership whether it's I want to keep somebody and my staff doesn't agree, whether it's me coming to my bosses and they they feel there is a value for that individual, that is fine. That is not my call. I'm just acknowledging to them, this is what I've done, no more. I'm going to answer the basic questions, but I'm not investing my energy. It's the whole premise of the 80-20. They will get 5% of my time. They are no longer 90% of my time because I'm not going to do it anymore. I have other people that are willing to invest in me and me and them. That's what I'm going to focus my energy on it. Those that want the help seek it and are willing to accept it. It leads into the, uh, the final sentence here, this, because as you were telling that I'm, I'm thinking, I know that there are boatloads of people in our audience who are like, man, the city, man, they ought to do this. They ought to, they need to get rid of this person. They need to, you know, we can second guess leadership eight ways to Sunday. Mm-hmm. So the last sentence is life is not tiring. I might would argue with that. <laughs> wanting, well, that's because you don't sleep, Randy. <laughs> want, want, wanting life to be a certain way, but not having the confidence to make it that way is tiring. And where that fits in the segue, and I wasn't intentionally doing this, but you and I both encounter, you know, well, why are they? I don't know. You could... If you are, if you are in leadership, but you are not the supreme leader, you can second guess the supreme leader eight ways to Sunday, and you can just exhaust yourself. Well, I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. And you better than me know that organizations are filled with that kind of a, Mm -hmm. that kind of a mindset. So life is not tiring. I don't agree with that at all. I, in spite of my insomnia, I think life is tiring. I think life is a struggle. I think life is filled with pain and yet I'm the supreme optimist and I'm a dreamer, mm-hmm. but it just is. Lisa started the show by telling you about a gut punch that she took, you know, that drove her to tears and you've experienced, we've all experienced this. We have all been knocked down and dragged out and it happens way more than we care for everybody in the world to know. But life is not an Instagram moment. I do think life is tiring, even under the best of circumstances. But I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just 
it, it is, is what it is. is. Yeah. But I, the second part, you know, I absolutely agree with wanting life to be a certain way, but not having the confidence to make it that way is tiring. And you could probably insert a lot of other words besides confidence or in addition to confidence. My key word in that is make. Not having the confidence to make it that way is tiring. And this all goes back to the very simple concept. It is your life and you make the choices for you. You have to choose and be willing to do what it takes wisely, as I would insert, mm -hmm. wisely to make life what you want it to be. I could, Don and I could have easily said, you know what, we're not going to build it all. Well, I'm giving up. I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm just not, we're just going to go hunt the land. We're going to live with mom forever. And we're going to make this work or we're going to get an apartment easy. could have easily solved the issue, but guess what? Once I got through the tears, once I got through the agony and the pain, literally cried myself till I didn't have tears left. I mean, it was that we've all faced those moments in our life. And you're probably thinking, Lisa, this is just a house build. But this is more, this has been our dream and our goal for 26 years to have no, our but own in that land moment, it's, 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 you, it's, it's you seeing a dream die. That's right. But the dream didn't die. The dream it didn't die. Fall. Now you know that the dream was merely, it's on, it's pause. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, uh, like you, I'm an eternal optimist. I had to work through the pain, and I think that's fair. I, I never have told somebody stop crying. I always tell them embrace your emotions, get it out. And mm -hmm. then let that gives you time to, to recover, to rest. And now we rethink the plan, you know, well, you and, know me, and I'm a fan of crying. So, oh yeah. And, and I, you know, even it's funny. I told Don when, when I was going through this, I'm like, we need to call Randy. He always says that he, <laughs> he can help us through a crisis, you know? And oh. he's like, he can. I'm too tired. I'm too tired to deal with a deal with that right now. Yeah. But you've always said I'm great at those moments of helping you see the light, and you are. Um, we each have those gifts. But the the point of that being, it's all about the confidence to make it what you want life to be. You must. So now that I cried it out, it's the build's not going to happen now. That's my reality. It may not happen for a couple of years, but guess what? Now now what? And so we regrouped, we went up to our land, sat on the land and fished and said, now, now what? And guess what? We got a new plan and we yeah, got and a that's plan where that's I doable would, that's and where reasonable. I would, that's where I would change. I, if I were crafting that sentence and not all respect to Steven, who crafted this list that we're poaching, wanting life to be a certain way, but not having the confidence to figure it out is tiring. It's tiring. Yes. I, I think, you know, to make it that way. Okay. You're a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. The dreams don't always come true. No. And quite often the dreams morph into all kinds of iterations. I jokingly tell people this place over in Arkansas that I love. So Lisa's, you know, she took aim for some, some acreage. It, it happened in Oklahoma. My sights are set over in Arkansas okay, well, I've got this dream. Well, I don't know if that's how it's going to pan out or not. It, it could take, I kidded somebody the other day and I said, you know, best I can tell, I'm probably on plan M, you know, yeah. M is smack dab in the middle, <laughs> forget plan A hadn't even, I mean, we got, we left plan A back in the dust a long time ago. You know, I don't know. It's not yet realized. I don't that's know right. what, what that's going to take. 
I'm supremely confident in my wife and I and our ability to figure it out. And whatever that is, I'm going to be good with it. That's and right. I think you and Don are wired the same way. Um, yeah, you just have to, you just have to, I'm fortunate to have a, a husband and partner in life that we do have the same goals. We have completely different personalities, but he's a balance to me. So while I was upset, he let me be upset. He didn't try to talk me out of it. He didn't try to check on me 90 times. Mm -hmm. When I sat down, he just grabbed my hand, held my hand and said, you know what? Tomorrow, let's go to the land and we'll talk about it because I have an idea. And I was like, you have an idea? And he's like, I don't want to talk about it now. I want to talk okay, about so, it tomorrow. So are you willing to pull the curtain? So, so what happened? Okay. So you get this bad news. And so then you guys made a trip up there. Yeah. Yeah. So we went up there the next day. We went up there on Saturday. Well, not next day, two days. I uh, went up there on Saturday, stopped the construction loan, um, sat on the land, fished. Beautiful day. Absolutely beautiful day. Our food plots growing because it got rain finally. Mm -hmm. So we've seen this green. We're seeing a million deer. We've talked to the landowners around us who are exceptional. They're like, man, anything you do, you know, we've got a house you can use. We got to, if you need a shower, just call me, I'll give you keys. Right. I mean, it's, this is country living, right? Yeah, right? People we don't even know that are just embracing us as their new neighbor and friend immediately, instantly. But what we decided is, you know, the housing, the housing market is turning. It is very expensive to build construction costs and labor were way up. Mm -hmm. I talked to our construction loan company and they're like, you know, Lisa, horrible time to build, but it's turning. You sold in a, in a seller's market. You're about to be able to buy in a buyer's market. Yep. Just give it time and rebid the stuff. And it's going to come down because now they're going to be hungry and people are going to be wanting work in nine months in a year. Mm -hmm. And your prices are going to be so much lower construction. Uh, woods come down. I think you said 30%. I had heard about 20%. Um, wood costs have come down concrete's coming down, you know, all these other expenses. So right. bottom line, Don said, you know, when we first were buying land, we talked about getting a built out tiny home, those sheds that they build out with mm -hmm. windows, insulation. Yep. Because why don't we go back to that? Then we have a bunkhouse when we build for our, for our friends, for our family. It's their own space. They're not in our house where they have true living space. And we'll make that what we want it to be. And you might be able to get new furniture for the house, <laughs> you know? So yeah, and if y'all hadn't picked up on it yet, Lisa's not really the Ritz Carlton. I mean, you know, give her some camo and, and put a bow or a rifle in her hands and her. I'm good to go. Rod, you know, so <laughs> there is, there I, unfortunately is camo has not been an acceptable business attire yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to work it in. Well, there could be camo <laughs> Friday coming. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, but that's, that's what, you know, for those listeners that love when we pull back the curtains, just a hair. So we're going to do a tiny home. Uh, these cost 15 grand, yeah, 15, awesome. one five. Right. And then you just put flooring in, you know, um, we have a little standalone air conditioning heating unit. Um, I'm betting that in your hunting, in your hunting experience, I'm betting that you have stayed in places that are far less luxurious than what you guys have. Well, in yeah. And our place in Arkansas where we hunt currently and have for the last four years, it's one of those tiny homes. He rented a cabin. He built it out himself. Now it's much cheaper in Arkansas. He got it for like 2000 bucks 
just a raw. And mm-hmm. he did all the inside himself. Very yeah. simple. Yeah. Very. I mean, it's very, it has the tin along right. the bottom. Yeah. He just did four mica countertops. He put a stove right. in a microwave. Right. It's very simple. And yeah. it's been, we stay there two months out of the year. Right. It's perfect for us. I'm just a simple person. I, I do like things to, I like to be able to cook. I like to be able to do the simple things, you know, and yeah. I like to be comfortable. So yeah. right. I want a good mattress. I just want to heat and air. Exactly. Yeah. Know. I don't want to freeze and I don't want to be hot. Yeah. That's right. But I don't have to have a lot in my life. It's, it's really the experiences that are important to me and that when my family, that's what's yeah. important. I want to be able to bring my family and they feel safe and comfortable. It's not the Carlton. The Ritz-Carlton, like you but, said. But this sentence does speak to it, you know, wanting life to be a certain way, you know. So your expectations, they are what they are. Now, for all of us, we've all got to manage our expectations. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I talked to I talked to Cheryl and Steve, um, my bosses above me. Steve's our city manager. Great guy. So I tell him I bought land. He's excited because he knows I've been wanting this when he was police chief. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I worked in Claude. Claude's a one light town. It's one blinking yellow light. And that's where he grew up. And he yeah. worked on land. He was a rancher when he before he became got into policing. And he's like, Lisa, have you got your come along yet? And I said, what's a come along? And he's like, oh, it's, it's you're going to have to fix your barbed wire. Let me show it to you. He sent me a picture. Oh, and yeah. then he took 30 minutes to say, when you get up there, you're going to have to, because I kept telling him the cows are getting over. He literally took 30 minutes of his time and said, okay, this is how you're going to fix it. When you get up there. Do you have this tool? I said, yeah, I already ordered that. Do you have barbed wire? Yes, I've already ordered that. He showed me and took time, said, this is how you fix your fence. Yeah. You understand? And I was like, yeah, let me re-explain it. And he goes, nope, that's perfect. You got it. And I mean, just took time out of his day in a moment, right? But he invested in me. And, And that's what's so important in all of this is that you've got, you've got, uh, life is how I want it to be. You've got friends around you helping you get there. It's helping me make what I want it to be. And then I told him, I said, you know, now I'm connecting with other city managers up there with people around me so I can help those communities. Cause maybe I had, I went by and looked at Wetumpka's city hall in, mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. And I said, Don, there's the city hall. Maybe I can go volunteer when we're up here or on community events on the weekends. When we come up, I can help participate and just right. get to know our community and the communities around us because I have something I can bring. Right. And in the future, once we live there, I've got, again, I'm all about relationships. I've got connections. Doesn't have to necessarily, I don't have to be paid at that moment. Um, but it gives me connections to help people in, in that area and space, just like I'm helping people here. And it's those connections are key to me because now it's like a new chapter. We have, I have new opportunities in front of me. I think the seven sentences I wish I'd read sooner might be a worthwhile exercise, whether your list is seven or it's three or it's 50, you know, to sit down to me, the overarching kind of thing about, about this is uh, the first thing I told Lisa, when I saw it, I said, well, man, I, you know, I need way more than seven. (laughs) There's there's just what life has taught us, what you have learned as audience members from your own experiences and your own insights, what value that Lisa and I are able to provide through the podcast. And let me give a shout out. So Steve died, the city manager at Grand Prairie, Texas. We did, uh, we did a terrific 
had a terrific conversation with him. It's one of the episodes. I'll link it up in the show notes for this episode. But if you'll just go to the website, growgreat.com, and in the search, just look for Steve Dye. It's D-Y-E. Yeah, I would highly, highly recommend that that you go and listen to that. Uh, this is a very experienced leader, uh, a cop. You know, started out as a cop, was a police chief for many, many years. And he's a guy who's very community-minded. He's a guy who's very relationship-oriented. And here we are, you know, in a big metroplex like like Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. But the things that, that we've learned, um, I don't know. Are there – you got any parting thoughts of things that – is there some one sentence that I'm putting you on the spot? No, I think that, I think that, what that you would craft to share. I think what what stands out to me the most and has helped me through my career that I think could help each of you listening through yours is spend ninety percent of your time on the people that will spend ninety percent of their time on giving back to you, to the team, to the city, and then lastly, um, continue serving because you are in charge of you. Serve, serve yourself, serve the city, and do something you love. If you don't love what you are doing, find something you do love. Because it, you know, I forgot how the old saying goes, but it's something to the point, you know, if you love what you do, it's not work. Yeah, you'll never work a day in your life. If That's you right. It, you just, I love what I do every day. I come in, I, I'm eager to get up. I'm not just rolling out of bed and dragging. You know, there's days I don't, I'm just tired like you but it's not because I don't love what I do. So you are in charge of you make choices that get you where you want to go. Be sure you have a purpose for everything that you're doing towards a future goal. And you should be taking steps forward, right? Think about what you want and go for it. And just, it takes time and there are going to be these hard times and the pain, but you can make it where you go, but you got to, you got to purposely move in that direction and invest in the people around you that make you better and that you can impact as well. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.